we have been spending the last few weeks together looking at some of the heroes of the faith and uh, kind of what inspired that uh, series was Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 we call the, the hall of faith where it just lists name after name after name of person who demonstrated great faith and uh, gave to us an example of what faith looks like in real life. Well, toward the end of that great chapter 11, at verses 32 and 33, it says, what more shall I say? He's listed all these names. And then he says, what more shall I say? <clears throat> For time will fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. And it is in that last phrase that there is a, a, a clear reference and a reminder of Daniel. And so this morning I want us to conclude our series as we look again at that, that story that uh, we're so familiar with in Daniel chapter 6. Uh, you remember the story, we just recapped it with the, with the children. The, the, the king throws Daniel in the lion's den and, and he survives all night and because he survived that proves that God is real and so the king has a change of heart and lets Daniel, uh, lets Daniel out and tells everybody they ought to worship the real God. You, you remember the story. Uh, what I want us to focus on this morning is how Daniel experienced the night. And what I want to do is ask the question, how can we have peace in the pit? How can we have peace in the pit? With that in mind, I want us to begin the story. Let's look in Daniel chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Pleased Darius. I know that many of us grew up calling him Darius. His, uh, the, we cannot actually pronounce his name the way they did. His name was Persian. It was then translated, or it wasn't even translated because they had different characters. Persian characters don't even look like Hebrew characters. So they, they, what we have is the, the Hebrew version of the Persian name. And then we have from Hebrew, we either have the Latin version or the Greek version of the Hebrew version of the Persian name. And then we've got the English of either the Latin or the Greek of the, you get the point? So the closest thing we can do is we'll say Darius. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. His kingdom had grown so much at this point that one guy couldn't oversee everything. And so he hired a staff, basically. He, uh, think of it in terms of a nation now being divided into states, if you will. He had 120 regions, 120 states, if you want to think of it. And there was one guy in charge of each of those. Okay? And then in verse 20, over them, three high officials. So he had 120 uh, people over different regions. And then above that level, there were three guys. So each of those three probably had like 40 that they were to oversee. These three were in charge of the whole nation. Only, uh, they only answered to the king himself. 
Verse 2 again, over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one. Now that's amazing already, because remember Daniel was a captive. Daniel was uh, one of those that was taken in the exile when the enemy came in and, and took God's people from their home and dragged them back to Babylon. Then Babylon eventually becomes Persia and the whole thing. And so he, he is one of those that is in exile. He's a captive. But God continued to bless him and he continued to grow, continued to learn, continued to serve so much that this captive winds up being one of the top guys in the whole kingdom. And so it's, it's pretty amazing in verse 2 when it just kind of runs over it quickly and says, oh yeah, Daniel was one of the top three guys. It says, uh, the last part of, of verse 2, that, that he was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now he's not only one of the three, now he's the top of the three and the king is going to make him the top guy in the whole kingdom. Daniel has distinguished himself and it says he did so because of an excellent spirit. In other words, he was a man of integrity. He was a man of character. People saw him. They knew they were seeing someone special. By the way, at this time, Daniel is not a young man. Daniel is 70s, perhaps even 80s by now. And so they see this man, this, this, this one who has lived a life of integrity, has built a character, and they respect him. And he becomes then one of the top people in the whole nation. Verse 4, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. The other guys get jealous. See, he, he has risen above the 120 satraps. He's one of the three. And then he even rises above the other two. And now he's a really somebody. And so all those others, they're saying, hey, we were born here. This is our hometown. And now you're coming in as a stranger. You weren't born here. You don't have the right sounding name. And you're going to come into our town and take over? And they get jealous. They get upset. And they say, let's find, let's find some dirt on this guy. And they start digging through his closet. And they can't find anything. They start looking for some way to get him. And there's nothing there. Because he's lived a life of faith. It says that they could find no error. Verse 5. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Wow. What kind of life would that be if people couldn't find anything wrong with you and the only thing they knew about you that they might find fault in is the fact that you believed in God so much 
The only thing that they, that they thought might be the one thing they could get you on was that you were a person of great faith. That'd be a great life. That'd be a great way to live. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be so respected that people couldn't find anything other than the fact that you're a believer? You see, Daniel teaches us one of the first things that we have to understand if we're going to find peace in the pit, and that is to walk with God. To walk with God. That was Daniel's life. He walked with God. And the reason I use that phrase is this. Some of us run to God when we have a problem. Some of us run to God when something's not right and when we're hurting and, and, and when life has fallen apart. We run to him, and that's good. Keep running to him. But wouldn't it be better if you were already with him, already walking with him, and you didn't have to run to him because you're already there? When things are good, you're walking with him. You wake up in the morning and you're walking with him. You're driving on that craziness called, uh, called I-35, and you're walking with him. You get to work, you get to school, and you're walking with him. Then something happens. You don't have to panic and figure out how to run to him. You're already there. You're walking with him. You see, Daniel lived such a life, he walked with God so much that, that he was a, a blessed man, that he had a, a, a character of integrity. And when they decided we're going to find something wrong with him, they said, the only thing we're going to do is see if we can find some way to trip him up on his own faith. Because that's how he was defined by his faith. If you and I are going to be able to have peace in the pit, it begins when we learn to walk with God. The second thing that we're going to need if we're going to have peace in the pit is that we learn to talk with God. We learn to walk with God and then we learn to talk with God. Look at verse 7. Fast forward a couple of verses there and let's pick it up at verse 7. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and satraps, the counselors, the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man in 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of the lions. Now they buttered up the king. Hey, king, you're so special. You're so wonderful. Nobody ought to be turning to anybody for anything except you because you're so awesome. And the king said, yeah, I kind of am, aren't I? Yeah, I think I kind of like that. And they said, oh, king, let's take it serious. Let's say if anybody turns to anybody else for anything else other than you, let's feed them to the lions. And the king said, hey, that sounds pretty good. I haven't seen a good lion eaten in a while. So that sounds like a plan. Now, O king, verse 8, now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done 
previously. Now that last phrase I think is incredibly important in understanding that verse because it, it, is, not, it is not saying that Daniel, when he heard the new law that you can't pray, it's not saying that Daniel became obnoxious and went up to that upper room and opened the windows and said, hey everybody, look at me, I'm praying, I'm going to kneel now, does everybody see me praying? That's not the point. The point is explained to us in the last part of that verse. It says, as he had done previously, as he had always been doing, this was his practice. And the, the, the verse is saying that he would not stop his regular practice of talking with God. Three times a day. The window was open so that he could look home. Remember, he's in exile. They took him from his home and they took him a long way off into a foreign country to be a, basically a servant. He opens the window so he can see home. He can see the promised land. He can see the land of God so he always remembers he's one of the people of God. And as he looks over the horizon toward home, he prays to the God who took care of them and brought them to that land and he, he prays three times a day and even though it was now illegal to do so, he was not going to stop. Let me ask you today, if it was illegal to pray, would you get in trouble? If it was illegal to pray, would there be enough evidence to find you guilty? Daniel winds up having peace in the pit because he walked with God, because he talked with God. And then we learn from him that we can have peace in the pit when we rest in God. Verse 11. Daniel knew that this had happened and he prayed anyway in verse 11. Then these men came by agreement. Now that word by agreement means they had it all planned out. They got together and they talked about it. They said, you go by first and then after you see him, then I'll go by and we'll be witnesses of it together. And they organized, they coordinated a way to, to, to catch him so they could turn him in. And so in verse 11, these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. They saw him doing it. Jump forward to verse 13. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. Now that's amazing. They, these guys kind of set this whole thing up. They coordinate a plan so that they can see him doing it, so that they've got their witnesses in a row. Then they go to the king and they say, Daniel's being bad. Daniel's not, Daniel's not doing what he's supposed to do. These tattletales get, get Daniel, try to get Daniel in trouble. And the king realizes, man, I signed that law myself, but I love Daniel. He had so much respect for Daniel that the king immediately started trying to find a way out. Daniel had lived such a life of integrity and faith that the king loved him so much he was distressed and he set his mind 
to deliver Daniel. Continuing in the last part of 14, he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. He dug through every law book he could find trying to figure out how to get out of this. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Do you hear what he said to Daniel? May your God, whom you serve continually. The king knew what kind of man of faith Daniel was. You serve your God continually. I've seen it. And may that God deliver you. Verse 17, a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet, with the signet of, of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Understand when it says he's fasting, it doesn't mean that he's fasting and praying to God. That means he has no appetite. He can't eat. He can't eat. He can't sleep. They don't bring any diversions to him. Now that could be musicians who play. It's more likely women who entertain him. But for whatever it is, there are no diversions. He's, not gonna, he, he's just alone. He can't sleep. The king couldn't sleep all night long. Matthew Henry said, the best way to have a good night is to have a good conscience. Now think on that for a minute. The best way to have a good night is to have a good conscience. You ever worried so much over something you can't sleep? We all have. The king paced back and forth in his room. He couldn't sleep. Where was the peace? Was there more peace with Daniel in the pit or Darius in the palace? The king couldn't sleep all night, but I suspect Daniel slept like a baby. In Psalm 4, verse 8, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that Daniel actually slept. But it does say that the lions didn't bother him all night long. So what else would he have done? I think he made friends with the lions. I think he cuddled up next to them to go to, to, to spend the night sleeping. He kind of leaned on one on his left and used that mane for a pillow. He snuggled up with the other one on his right to keep warm. When he was comfortable, I think he pulled out a scroll to do some bedtime reading. He just, he was there reading between the lions. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. And by the way, that's everybody. Everybody who lives in this fallen, mixed up, messed up, crazy world labors and is heavy laden. And the invitation is you who 
labor, who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest was not found in the palace. It was found in the pit. The palace with all its luxuries could not comfort a soul out of line with God. But the soul that walked with God and talked with God, rested in God, could rest and be at peace regardless of his circumstances. Daniel shows us how to have peace in the pit. We walk with God, talk with God, rest in God, and finally trust in God. That is the key, isn't it? You remember what Darius said when he threw him into the pit? May your God, whom you serve continually, take care of you. The king said, I can't do anything else. I've looked and looked and looked. I've tried and tried. I can't stop this. I'm helpless. But may your God, whom you serve continually, may he be the one who helps you. He defined Daniel's life by saying, your God that you serve. Daniel was defined by the fact that he trusted in God. And then look at verse 22. We're still in chapter 6. We're going to wrap it up now beginning in 22. <clears throat> and Daniel says to the king the next morning, the king shows up at the, at the den, Daniel, Daniel, are you there? Was your king able to take care of you? Verse 22, Daniel answers, My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I've done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him. Why? Because he had trusted in his God. The king shows up at the den. Daniel, are you there? Are you there, son? Are you okay? And then I love the way Daniel answers. My God. Did you hear that? Did you catch that? He said, my God sent his angel. Daniel steps up. He steps up on that, on that rock that was sitting there. And he uses that rock like, a, like a, a platform, like a pulpit. He says, let me tell you about my God. Has God ever gotten you through a difficult time? Has it ever been dark? Ever been scary? Ever been tough? And God got you through? When you came out on the other side of that thing, did you stand up to your friends and family and neighbors and say, let me tell you about my God? You see, that's where it really happens. One of the reasons, there are many and we're not going to take time for them. One of the reasons that we go through difficult times, according to the Apostle Paul, one of the reasons we go through difficult times is so that we can help others when they go through difficult times. Because we're able to say, let me tell you what my God did. 
you should see the good things that my God has done in my life and in my town. Folks are tired of hearing the story. But we can never be tired of telling the story that six years ago our world fell apart. But my God put it back together. My God got us through. My God continues to heal. My God continues to guide. My God continues to provide. Friends, those of us who live through it can never stop telling the story. Daniel stands up and says, My God, close the mouths of the lions. The lions were on the Daniel diet before the Daniel diet was a thing. God shut their mouths. Why? Verse 23 says, because he trusted in God. It's so important for us to learn from Daniel how to have peace in the pit because we're going to face lions too. We face a big lion. Don't ever forget 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Don't ever forget that we face lions too. There's a big lion. But that enemy is not the only lion we face. The world is going to throw us to the lions of hatred, persecution, ridicule, and anger. We'll also face lions of disease, disasters, financial problems, family problems. The list goes on. Some of those lions can be pretty scary. There's a reason the lion is called the king of the beasts. A male lion can grow to over 10 feet in length, including his tail. Can weigh over 500 pounds. He can kill a 150-pound gazelle with one swipe of his paw. He can jump over a three-foot fence with that gazelle in his mouth. Lions are scary. Some of the lions we face are big and tough. But we can still be at peace in the pit. Jesus reminded us in John 16, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You say, John, you're stretching it a little bit to apply Daniel's story to our problems and say those are lions. That's stretching it a little, maybe, but I'm in good company because the Apostle Paul did exactly the same thing. When Paul was in Ephesus, an evil man tried to destroy his ministry. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he looks back on that terrible experience. And he says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. You see, we can apply what we learned from Daniel and how to have peace in the pit. We can apply it to our lives just like Paul applied it to his. You're going to face lions, but you can have peace in the pit when you learn to walk with God, talk with God, 
and rest in God and trust in God. We find peace. And look at the last, the last sentence of what he said there in 2 Timothy. Not only did he rescue me from the lion's mouth, but the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Can you make that statement today? I know that the Lord will rescue me and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. If you have trusted in Christ and you know him personally, you're walking with him, you're talking with him, you're resting in him, you're trusting in him, and there's a personal relationship going on between you and the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can say today, I know he's going to bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom.